that better? When Brother Allen told me that he would be watching from there, I panicked. <laughs> it's good to be with you today. Uh, let's see if I can find everything. If not, I'll have to preach from memory and you'll really be sad. We're going to be looking this morning at the 16th chapter of Matthew, beginning with verse 13, and read through 18. We're going to think about the phrase of Jesus that he asked, who do you say that I am? Uh, It really doesn't seem like much of a question. But when you really get into it and understand there's so much more uh, in that one question than really there is in the latter part that we spend most of the time dealing with the rock and, uh, and what, he, what Jesus meant by that. Sometimes we kind of major on the minors and minors on, minor on the majors. And uh, sometimes this passage seems to be like that. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they say, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your blessings. Lord, we ask you to bless our team, those that are left, with something very special today. Holy Spirit, we're here and there, way down there. We pray, Father, that you will touch them, that you will bring relief and healing to them that they may be back with us soon. We pray, Father, that even now, though the rest of the team is back, we pray that you will use those that are there in a very special way to accomplish something that would have never been accomplished had it not been for the circumstances. We trust you, Lord. You tell us that all things work together for good to those who are the called, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And so, Lord, we know that this is not something we like or something that we want. But we know that you've allowed it to happen for a reason. We may not know here on this side of heaven, and we may. But that's not what matters. 
it matters that there's something that's going to be accomplished that would have never been accomplished. So, Lord, give them favor. Bless them. Ease our sadness, our desire to see them as well. Now, Father, help us this morning as we study your word that we may be able to apply it to our lives in such a way that the world around us will know that we are truly different, that this day we have been with the Savior, and that we say he is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Bless each one that's here. Touch each life in a very special way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. In Jesus' day, the teachers would use a very special tactic in teaching. I suppose it may have been the only way they had, I don't know. But they would talk about what they're saying, usually by telling a story. And then they would come back and ask questions so that they could understand where their pupils were. And on the other side, the pupils would come and ask questions to see where they are and to see what they may need to learn uh, in order that they could grow. Now, in the first part of this chapter, we see the the Sadducees and the Pharisees are going at it trying to get trick Jesus. They certainly used that tactic of asking questions, but they certainly did not want to grow. They did not want to know what they didn't know. Uh, I think they must have known a lot of what they didn't know, but they didn't want others to know it. But they were questioning Jesus, hoping that they might find a way to entrap him. All they wanted was some little something that they could use in order to discredit him. That tactic has not stopped throughout the generations. Uh, There are people who are looking at Christians today wanting to find some little something in their life, something in what they say or do that will entrap them that they could use to discredit their witness, our witness here upon earth. Uh, it's strange that they would ask him to show them a sign. Will you show us a sign in the first part of the 16th chapter? It's very strange because just in the 15th chapter, they'd seen 4,000 people fed. They'd seen many people healed uh, in the 15th chapter. And then in the 14th chapter, they saw 5,000 fed. I don't understand why they need a sign to know who he is after all he had been doing in front of them, but they still press, uh, probably because of what Jesus says later on, that they probably were uh, trying to uh, be able to find a way uh, that they could uh, see some miraculous sign in the cosmos, something that could not be explained any other way. And so they were trying to do that, I believe, to, track, to take care of him. Now, I want to tell you a story today, uh, and I want you to, uh, to hear it. Some of it will be true. Some of it will be just my thoughts about what could have happened uh, on that particular day and that particular place in the life of Jesus and the apostles. It was probably a cold, windy, rainy day, uh, much like today as they would have in Palestine in the northern part uh, of Palestine. And they had come away in order that they could find rest. 
Now, I suppose that Jesus probably came up to them and said, let's go to Caesarea Philippi. Probably didn't say anything about why. Didn't, didn't ask them. They probably didn't ask him. Uh, but they, they have had this habit. He would say, let's go here, and they would go. And they knew that when they got there, something was going to happen. They had learned by this point, because this is the turning point in Jesus' ministry. From this point on, he turned his face towards Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was where he was going to die. And he knew that. But at this juncture in his ministry, uh, he wanted to teach them something. Uh, they didn't know what. They didn't know what to expect. Uh, but they went to Caesarea Philippi, which was about 20 miles north of the top of the uh, Lake uh, Galilee, uh, the Sea of Galilee. And they uh, trekked that 20 miles that day in the midst of whatever was going on weather-wise, uh, just to be with Jesus and continue what he was doing. Now, when they got there, Caesarea Philippi is right at the base of Mount Hermon. Uh, Mount Hermon was over 9,000 feet high. And it was also where they went and where they ended up in Caesarea Philippi. It was also the very headwaters of the Jordan River. And the waters that would come down, because there's probably snow uh, on the peak up there at uh, Mount Hermon, uh, probably came down ice cold all year long. And as it came down, the breeze would blow across it, and it would be bone-chilling as they came uh, and as they stayed in that place. Uh, it was a place that he brought them that was full of huge, huge boulders all around. And uh, uh, it was a place where Baal had been worshipped for many years back in the days of Jeremiah. Uh, it's kind of uh, quaint to think about who they were saying Jesus was, but in Jeremiah's day, he would rail against the Baal, and especially in the northern part of the kingdom, where the nation of Israel had given over to the Canaanite uh, gods and would worship them uh, and would follow them. Uh, Caesarea Philippi was a place that Philip... Uh, had built a, a temple, and in trying to curry the favor of Caesar, uh, he named the place Caesarea Philippi after himself and after Caesar, and uh, built that great temple uh, where they worshiped Baal and Ra and some of, maybe many others. It's said at one particular time uh, that there was over 200 uh, particular gods that were worshiped in that place. As they got there and sat down, they noticed something. On those rocks were written many of the names that people worshipped in that day. And as they sat down uh, and began to find some place to be warm, I imagine they built a fire and uh, began to uh, warm themselves and to uh, be able to get some kind of comfort as they had come, traveled all that way, walked, of course. And uh, uh, you could see that Jesus probably had a smile on his face. He looked around at the men that were sitting there, some standing, some sitting, and he began to look, and I imagine as he looked at each one, a smile came on his face. 
Judas was probably over here in the corner counting the money, as our uh, pastor read this morning, and uh, counting the money from the bag. And Matthew was probably checking his figures to see if they were right. Peter and Andrew were planning their next adventure. Uh, James and John were probably talking about the fishing report and uh, what they should be doing at this particular time and in uh, serving and, and, and fishing as they were, that was their profession. Uh, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, Zealot were probably all huddling together trying to figure out why in the world their master had brought them to this place. What in the world could he be doing as they looked amidst all of these huge bales and pan and raw, uh, the gods that were there. And as he moved around and looked at each one and began to smile, he suddenly stopped. And he began to look at each one, and then he said, ask him a question. Who do men say that the Son of Man is? Who do men say that the Son of Man is? And the Greek wording in there is that he probably asked it many times, several times, maybe to each and every one of them to get their understanding of what people were saying. And then they began to speak, and they said, well, you're probably John the Baptist. That's what people are saying. Because you see, just a little while before that, John the Baptist had been beheaded by Herod. And it was thought that he was going to come back to life. I don't know what they thought. Maybe to, to bring some retribution. Uh, maybe to do something else. But it was thought that he was coming back. Someone else said that maybe he's uh, uh, Elijah come back. Because you see, Elijah never died. He went up to heaven. And he was coming back. And in fact, in every Passover at that time, in the middle of the, of the meal, they expected a knock on the door. And each home was hoping that if they opened the door, it would be Elijah that had come back. And even Orthodox Jews today will expect a knock on the door at Passover time. They don't talk about it, but they do uh, as they think about it. Well, John the Baptist, Elijah, maybe Jeremiah, they said. This guy's Jeremiah, because you see, Jeremiah went 40 years without a single convert. I don't know if I could have pastored that long without anyone coming and accepting Jesus as their Savior. I, I just expect the Holy Spirit to do something in the midst of the service. And I just want to be an instrument. I just want to be there and watch it happen. But, but maybe, maybe it was Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Well, Jeremiah, God didn't even allow him to go to his wife's funeral. He was thrown in pits. He was thrown in wells. Uh, he was beaten. He, all kinds of stuff as he railed against the gods that they were worshiping, giving over the God, Jehovah Yahweh. But maybe, maybe it was him or are one of the prophets because you see it was they were to follow Moses and Abraham and the prophets that had come after them they were they were supposed to and so they thought well maybe he's just one of them coming back 
And then abruptly in the midst of all that, and there were probably many others that were thrown out, Jesus stopped them and said, but who do you say that I am? Wow, I hadn't thought of that, did you? What do I say out in the world about Jesus? You know, there are times I can't even remember when the subject ever came up. Whenever I was at work or because, you know, I did work sometimes. You know, preachers don't work. We don't ever work. So 56 years ago, I, I did work. And uh, I worked at a steel mill and, and uh, worked uh, uh, partly managed, but mainly because the manager was a drunk, managed a, 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 a finance company. Uh, I did, did several things, but... Uh, uh, I don't remember that coming up. Who is Jesus? I certainly don't remember anyone asking me just right off the bat, except for one time. And that's when uh, I knocked on a lady's door. My wife and I we were visiting, and she opened the door, and I told her who I was, and she come in here. I've been waiting on you. And I didn't know her from Adam or Eve, either one. And she said, I've been waiting on you. Someone was supposed to come today and tell me about Jesus. Wow, isn't he wonderful? It's exciting. But Jesus asked them, who do you say? As you're going about your daily task, if he were here today, who do you say that I am? And as he asked that several times and they erupted, Peter came out and just like Peter always was, it seems. He said, why, why you're the Christ. You, you are the son of the living God. And that's when Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this, un, this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. I don't know when Simon Peter had that insight. I don't know when the Holy Spirit told him who he was. I just know he chooses his times. One day a couple had come visiting our church and that next week I went to visit them. And I knocked on the door and, and they were so gracious and, and, and asked me to come right in. And I began talking and sharing with them and finding out about them and sharing about the church. And just a few days before, they had accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior because they read the Bible. No one had ever told them. They, they, were, they were in the lowest part of their life, and they picked up a Bible. No one told them anything, told them how, but they started reading the Bible, and they got saved, and they didn't know what to do. <laughs> we don't, that seems strange to us, doesn't it? They did not know what to do. So they said, well, I guess we'll go to church. And they showed up at our church, and... and uh, we, we had confirmed that that night, and uh, so many other things happened that was just the Lord's doing. The name of Jesus. It, it's just incredible to think about what it was. And then, of course, Jesus talked about that you're Simon Barjona, and upon this rock I will build my church, using two different Greek words uh, for meaning the rock. And that's been debated for since that time as to who the rock was. And 
and all of that, but I'll let you pastor take care of that, and uh, I won't even mess with it right now. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's important to know that, that what's, what we need to understand is that there was and is something very special about the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, teacher. And what's the next word? Savior. The name of Jesus has power. That's exactly why he wanted them to know who he was. Because it was in his name that it matters. I'm just going to share with you some scriptures, not all of them. Not all of the ways that we are to use the name of Jesus. But it's just amazing what the scripture has to say about the name of Jesus. In Acts 19.5, one of the things that, that we are to do uh, is we are to believe and be baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, when Paul came to uh, Ephesus, he met 19 men there in the 19th chapter uh, of Acts. And those 19 men had been baptized into the baptism of John. And he said, do you know anything about the Holy Spirit? Do you know anything about Jesus? No, all we know is about John. And so he explained about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, <coughs> excuse me, and they accepted him and were baptized. And it says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 1 John three twenty three, John says, this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. 10th chapter of Romans, verse 13, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But not only that, we are to risk our lives for the name of Jesus. Uh, in Acts 15, uh, this was a letter that came from, from uh, Christians, uh, usually Greek, Gentile Christians, and there were Judaizers that had come from Jerusalem, and they began to tell them they needed to be uh, circumcised, they needed to follow all of the law, and they needed to do all of these things in order to be saved. So Paul encouraged them, and they wrote a letter, sent it by Paul and some others, to Jerusalem uh, in order that they, the leaders there would tell them what to do. And uh, uh, then he's talking there and he says, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're to do good, we're to heal, we're to, to do good things for people in the name of Jesus. Uh, Peter and John were in the temple and uh, uh, in Acts 3, 6, and... Uh, uh, when he did, uh, they were there. A man was sitting there that came every day to the temple uh, in order to get alms for people to give him some money to live. He couldn't walk from his birth, and so when they got there, uh, Peter said, "I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Na the Nazarene. Walk." And he did, and he got up, and he walked. Uh, 
And then in Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Uh, when Peter and John uh, were in front of the, is this the one I changed back there? Okay, we'll go, we'll go with whatever you put up. <laughs> Acts 4.10, uh, uh, after the man had been healed, uh, they, Peter and John came back and said, let it be known to all of you and to all of the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. In the name of and that's, that was to the, the leaders, the religious leaders. And uh, then in Acts 4.30, is that the one that's not? Hey, we're on track now. Uh, when they came back from meeting with the leaders, they came back to the people, and Peter was praying. And he said to God, while you extended your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Uh, oh, I'm mixed up now. I mixed myself up. Uh, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, that, that's what we did. I'm, I got mixed up, now I'm straight again. All right. You don't realize it's been a year since I preached, God, guys. 56 years, and then all of a sudden, a whole year goes by. I'm having withdrawals. I, that's what the problem is. I'm withdrawing up here, and it's hard for me to keep my, keep my place. Give thanks in his name. Ephesians 5.20, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Do you know where to be glorified in his name? 2 Thessalonians 1.12, so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, last one, one we don't like. We're to suffer in the name of Jesus. James's final exhortation in his little letter in James 5.10, as an apostle, uh, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Wow. Then Paul in Caesarea as the prophet Agabus predicts his death. In Acts 21, 13, Paul responded. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. What does the name of Jesus mean to you? Is there any power in it in your life? Is your life any different because of the Lord Jesus Christ? In his name, we're to do everything we do. Every act is to be in the name of Jesus. If you do good to someone, do you walk away saying, you're welcome, when they say thank you? My pleasure? If you work at Chick-fil-A, <laughs> what, what do you say? 
Or do you say, this is in the name of Jesus that I do this? That's where your blessing is. Not in the act of what you're doing, but in how Jesus responds to you when you give him glory. When you give him the glory for all of your actions. As we leave here today, I'm going to give you a little time back, hopefully. Uh, I've always been accused of running over. So I'll try to give you some back for all those 56 years I didn't. <laughs> I want to leave you with this. Will you think about the name of Jesus this week? Who do you say that I am? Now, I know we go to church, we go home, we go, to, we go to work. We do our chores at home. We, we do the things we do during the week or, like myself, we get lazy and do nothing. Whatever it may be, do we do it in the name of Jesus or is it because of us? Is it my power or is it the power of Jesus surging through my very veins? From my heart to the rest of my body. Is he everything to you? He wants to be. And when he is, he will do great things through you. Every day of your life. First, we're to believe in his name. Confess him with the mouth, with our mouth. We're to trust in him. Surrender our life to him. And from that moment on, it becomes Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Would you bow your heads this morning? Close your eyes. While the people are coming to get ready, we'll have some deacons down front who will be glad to talk with you and share with you about how you can become a Christian. Maybe just want to have a time of prayer and come and tell God how sorry you are that you've done so much in your name and not in the name of Jesus. So if anyone were to ask you, you could tell. In fact, we ought to be asking that question because when we do, we're going to be like the disciples. Oh, he's a prophet. He's a good man. He was a healer. Some people, he didn't really exist. We are just like they were. People say all kinds of things about Jesus. But we need to be telling them the truth. He's the Son of God. He's Christ, the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. I thank you for putting up with me all this time. I thank you for letting me be part of your work. Nothing greater could I ever think of doing than proclaiming the name of Jesus. I love you, Lord. I praise your name. 
And I pray that this will continue to be a praising church as we praise your name as well. Now for those that need to make a decision, whether it's to accept Jesus as their Savior, whether it's to come and recommit their life, whether it's to come and be part of this church, Holy Spirit, you touch, you work in their lives, and you bless. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.